Welcome to the ASCD Connect podcast, supporting you on your journey as a life-changing educator. Here's your host for today's program. In today's ultra-complex education environment, school leaders need to take on the role of CEO, chief empathy officer, that is. That's the deeply held conviction of my guest today, leadership expert Thomas R. Herr. Her is a scholar in residence at the University of Missouri-St. Louis, where he teaches in the Educational Leadership Program. He is the author of the recent book, The Principal is Chief Empathy Officer, Grading a Culture Where Everyone Grows. He also writes regularly on leadership for the ASCD blog. I'm Anthony Rabora, Editor-in-Chief of ASCD's Educational Leadership, and I'm happy to have a chance to talk with Tom about the role of empathy in school leadership at this particularly challenging time in education. Welcome, Tom. Oh, Anthony, thank you. It's, it's a treat to be here and uh, share some of my beliefs. Thanks. Thanks. So, so in your book, you write that when we talk about leadership, including in education, we often focus on things like knowledge and wisdom or decisiveness and courage. But here, I'm going to quote from you, but you say, but great leaders need something more. They also must pause and take time to know, recognize, and care for the people with whom they work. And this is especially important in the field of education. So why, in your view... Is this something more so important in education? Well, I think what we know is that relationships are the key in any setting. Um, One of my favorite sayings is who you are is more important than what you know. And that's not to denigrate knowledge or skills. We need to teach kids the three R's. Absolutely. However, it is to say that we need to know our students. They need to feel known. And likewise, if you're a school leader, whether you're a formal principal whether you're an administrator, we all play leadership roles. The key is knowing the people with whom we work, understanding them, and working with them. And I think that's always been the case, but as you talked about in the introduction, uh, these are really tough times. I mean, COVID is not behind us. I don't know that it ever will be, but what that means is we've all lost a bit of the connection, and we need to have leaders, again, whatever the title, whatever the role, who lead through empathy by knowing and understanding people. So in terms of school leadership, how do you define empathy? What are the essential traits or characteristics in your view? Well, empathy, I think, begins with really knowing and understanding other people and appreciating the perspectives, the beliefs that they hold. doesn't mean you always agree with them. You're not going to, but it means you understand their motivations. It's too easy, again, in this balkanized world to form groups of we and them and, you know, here we are and there they are. And a good leader who leads with empathy takes the time to listen, takes the time to know people. In my book, I I offer a number of strategies that we can use to really get to know people so we understand not only what they're thinking, but what they're feeling and why they're feeling that. Mm -hmm, I see. So what do you say to leaders who might say to you, I'm sure you've heard this, uh, you know, look, I have a lot of hard decisions to make. I focus on results. I don't have a lot of time. I can't be thinking about other people's thinking, how they're feeling, or trying to build relationships all the time. You know, Anthony, I have heard that. It doesn't surprise you. Um, And there's two components to that. You talked about uh, outcomes and you talked about time. And let me start by talking about the outcomes first. We're all about the business of helping kids grow and learn. And the case I make is that if the leader leads with empathy, that's going to help our kids grow and learn. Everybody who's a school leader knows the most important factor in a school is the teachers. If you get good teachers, if you get teachers who care, who work their tails off, kids are going to benefit, kids are going to prosper. And leading with empathy 
means you lead with empathy with your faculty, your staff. They're going to grow, they're going to learn, and kids are going to benefit. In terms of the time, I hear that a lot. And my comment is that the time you spend developing empathy, really getting to know your people, is an investment. It's going to pay benefits. It's not time that you've wasted. It's time that you've spent toward the goal of helping kids learn. Okay, so give us a little bit a look at what this looks like. So how do empathetic leaders approach problem solving differently than other leaders? Well, the first thing an empathetic leader knows is that no matter how smart she is, uh, the group is smarter. No matter how wise and experienced he is, there's other skills and knowledge out there. So when there's a problem, the first thing the empathetic leader does is seek opinion, seek input from other folks. Uh, being empathetic means you're a good listener, and you don't listen unless you ask. One of the things about which I talk in my book that's really hard to do is I said good leaders need to find ways to appear not busy sometimes, not all the time, but not busy sometimes. Years ago, one of my assistants said to me, Tom, I'm worried about you. You're too busy. And I said, well, I've got a lot to do. And she said, let me be a little more direct. Uh, you're so busy that people aren't able to give you thoughts. They aren't able to give you ideas. And the last thing a leader wants is for there to be a problem. And somebody says, well, you know, I knew about that, but I didn't want to bother you. So in terms of being a good empathic leader, I talk about using lots of surveys. I talk about I had breakfast with Tom periodically where I would bring people in, no agenda. What do you want to know about? What do you want to talk about? I talked about how I would formally make a point of being in the hall, sitting on the bench just with nothing to do, although I had a million things to do. So I would be approachable. If you, if you deal with your job from the perspective that all of us are smarter than I am and I need to hear what other people are thinking so I can capitalize on their perceptions, then you're going to be a good listener. So it's interesting. It's, it's kind of about being a learning leader as well. Absolutely. Absolutely, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and in the book, I also talked about part of being a leader is recognizing, again, that other people have different perspectives and People are going to act on the things in which they've been engaged and been involved. So even if my solution is the best, that's in quotes, if I didn't solicit other ideas, if I didn't engage other people, if I didn't involve them, it's not going to work. What I want to do is have this solution be owned by everybody. And that begins with asking. And then after you've asked, listening. Okay. So are there steps or practices that school leaders can use to improve or increase their empathy? Absolutely. And, and one of the things about which I talk is that you need to begin by using the word empathy. Um, in my book, I talked about empathy conversations, and those are direct conversations, times, 20 minutes, when you say to people, hey, let's talk. I want to get to know a little bit more about you. I know you as an educator. Help me understand where did you grow up? When did you want to become an educator? Those kinds of conversations. Now, if we approach our staff and say we want to do that, you know, I led schools for 37 years. People are going to roll their eyes. They're going to say, what's Tom? What's going on here? But if I use the word empathy and I say, hey, I want to try to lead with empathy. And for that to happen, I need to know what you're thinking. I need to understand your position. If you lead with that perspective, I think people are likely to listen, to give you credit, to be involved. Yeah, I love that. Uh, so you also do acknowledge that a leader can have too much empathy or care too intensely about too many things, uh, and you you know you say that's empathy fatigue. Uh, so, what can a leader do to know when they cross that line, or when when the level or focus of their empathy is not constructive? Well, and, and it's it's curvilinear. I mean, you want to have enough, but not too much. And I think that's being aware. That's having people around you who can give you feedback that you 
don't always want to hear, but you need to hear. I talked about surveys. I did that quite often, and they would always be anonymous. And with email, uh, my last question would say, thank you for this anonymous survey. But it would really help me if we were part of a conversation. If you're willing, give me your email address so we can continue the discussion. I did that with parents, and I did that with teachers. And about a third of the half of the folks would do that, and it was always very, very beneficial. But what I found is unlike everybody else, uh, it's easy for me to think my way is the right way, and if I just work harder, I'll get the problem solved. Well, in retrospect, I should have known that sooner. The reality is not working harder, it's working smarter, and that is incorporating the people around me is part of the solution. Uh, so one of the things you mentioned in your book is that during, at the height of the pandemic and during the chaotic switch to remote learning, schools with empathetic leaders seem to fare better. So I wanted to ask you, how has the pandemic changed the way you think about school leadership? It, it, yeah, it has even reinforced my belief that relationships are the key. I mean, I knew that before, as you mentioned in the introduction, I'm teaching at the University of Missouri-St. Louis, and I'm in the Ed Leadership Program, so I'm working with prospective principals, and that means I get out in schools, I talk to these students working on a master's degree or a doctorate, I talk to their principals, and what I found is that there's a, a sense of disconnection that people experienced for the past couple of years. Um, many teachers said to me, well, it's really hard having our kids back. Uh, they've been alone and either they've been indulged by parents or they've been abandoned by parents. They've lost the social skills that they need. And then, won't surprise you, I talked to some principals who said virtually the same things about their teachers. They said it in nicer terms, but they talked about teamwork and collegiality being integral to their school and how teachers have lost that ability to a degree. We Zoom forever, but we've lost the ability to sit in a room, look at one another, listen to one another, and form a team. And, and so to me, in my class and when I write about, I talk about the important task of a principal making his school team a real team. Not just people who have their names in the buzz book or in the mailbox, but people who work together and learn from one another. People who respect that we have different perspectives and opinions. And the goal is not to get everybody saying the same thing. The goal is to have a situation in which we respect and learn from one another. Right. Uh, so getting back to your work at the University of Missouri, I know you teach prospective school leaders, right? Um, what do you think is the hardest thing for new leaders coming into schools today? Well, I think the hardest thing, and in, in it's, it's our society, and you've written about it, it's our culture, the hardest thing is helping school leaders to understand that their job as a school leader is to help everybody grow. It's not simply to get test scores over a certain line. It's not to reduce suspension rates. All those things are valid. But if you approach your job that the task is to help everybody grow, not just the kids, not just the staff, but guess what? The students' parents. That gives you a different mindset. And I believe it means that you wind up focusing then on the relationships within the building, not just do people get things done on time. I see. So we're recording this in late August, start of a new school year. What do you have any advice for school leaders as they start this year? You know, as you mentioned, still uh, under the cloud of the pandemic uh, in responding to uh, the effects of the pandemic. Yeah, and I, th I think speaking to that, I think if we haven't already done it, you got to put it on the table. You've got to talk about it. Uh, we don't solve problems by ignoring them or rushing through them. I would, in fact, in my, my book, I have a whole session talked about on empathy fatigue, and I've got an actual faculty meeting plan. If I'm a principal by 
end of September, beginning of October, I'm going to come in and I'm going to say to my faculty, let me give you the good news. The good news is we've had a great start of school. You all are really working. You care. Let me turn the page, though, and give you my worry. My worry is that this is a hard job, and it's even harder with the pandemic behind us, still with us. And what I want to do is make sure that you don't wind up with empathy fatigue by caring too much. So let's talk about that. And again, I've got specific steps that people can do. It's acknowledging it. It's setting barriers. It's setting limits. And it's recognizing that we can only do so much, and we've got to take care of ourselves. Uh, running a school and teaching, what they have in common is it's a marathon, not a sprint. That sounds like really good advice. So thank you, Tom. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Thank you, Anthony. I also want to thank all our listeners who are tuning in and for all they do for education. To learn more about Thomas Hur's book, The Principal as Chief Empathy Officer, go to www.ascd.org slash books.